Uncaged. Uncaged. A show celebrating thought leadership from today's top business leaders. The program provides a voice to amazing executives from around the globe who are shaping the world of business today and mapping the path to the world of commerce tomorrow. And now, please welcome our host, Bant Breen, as we begin another Uncaged episode. Today, we are stepping into the world of education, and we're speaking with Andrew McRae. Hey, Andrew, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you today? I'm very, very well. I'm excited to learn about what you're working on. Andrew is an educator, public speaker, and transformational leader with an extensive background in educational leadership. He is currently the Chief Academic Officer for Breakthrough Public Schools. BPS is one of the highest rated network of tuition-free public charter schools based in Cleveland, Ohio. So we're going to get into the world of education very, very closely. But before we get there, Andrew, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, your career. Well, thanks so much. Um, So I actually came to education uh, in a sort of circuitous fashion. Um, as a first-generation college student, I was the first person in my family to go to college. Um, and I went to Hampton University in Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, and around the time I was in college, um, Hurricane Katrina happened. And I was really sort of in, inspired by the resiliency of students during that time period. I got involved with a program called Teach for America. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to... S- to serve and educate Katrina evacuees. And at the time, the only place to go was Houston. And so I went to the Southwest side of Houston where I taught math to sixth graders, seventh and eighth graders and algebra one um, for many years uh, and got really involved in this idea of how do we build systems to have expanded impact? Um, And so like all sort of passionate committed folks um, of my era, uh, I sort of to continue to climb the leadership ladder Um, as a grade level chair, department chair, um, data manager, and eventually became dean of instruction um, following my original principal to another um, Houston-based charter network. And it was really at at that time being a part of um, a slightly larger, um, really cutting edge CMO that I learned the importance of sort of setting high leadership expectations, building systems that drive kids to learn, uh, and took that learning with me to the Knowledge is Power program in Tulsa, um, and KIPP being the, you know, the largest yeah. charter management organization in America, um, where I was a principal there for many years, and eventually um, the executive director of that region. That taught me sort of what it looked like to scale, to open schools, to really try to serve kids at scale. Mm-hmm. Um, and after my time at KIPP, I had the great honor and privilege to come to Breakthrough Public Schools here in Cleveland um, and be able to um, help our current organization reimagine what it means to serve kids differently, to serve them well, um, and to do so in a context that none of us could have predicted a few years ago. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, what a journey. The Teach for America program is such an important program, uh, really certainly a foundational one for a lot of folks. And I know a lot of the people that I went to university with participated in it as well. And it's amazing to see how that ignited this process that you've gone in. And now you find yourself here 
here at the Breakthrough Public Schools. And tell me more about what you guys are working on there. Yep. So at Breakthrough, um, we have 10 schools across the city of Cleveland, and our job is to equip students with the knowledge and skills to help them lead choice-filled lives. Well, as a K-8 network, for us, that really means we're the first step on the pathway to a sustainable choice-filled life, right? The next step is a college prep high school. The step after that is post-secondary education that allows you to earn a sort of family-sustaining salary and benefits, right? Mm -hmm. And so for us, that means we have to get kids ready for the rigors of a college prep high school. So that means making sure that one, we're zooming in and we're laser focused on making sure the kids have the foundational literacy skills they need to access complex text. You know, right. the number one thing when we boil it all down is one, can kids read well? Um, right. And two, can they, by the time they get to high school, do algebra one? If we, if we do those two things well, Kids are dramatically more likely to matriculate to college, to graduate from high school. And so our focus at Breakthrough is really on making sure that those kids, all of our kids, all of our kids have mm -hmm. that, those fundamental skills. The I second thing. Wait, oh. so let's just pause there. So <laughs> read well and algebra one. I love yep. it. I love it. Well, because I think, you know, you hear a lot of jargon in our sector, right? And people talk about all this stuff, but it's, it really is those two things. I think the second thing that has gotten a lot of the attention of late, and I do think is a tool in our toolbox, is educational technology. At Breakthrough, we've been fortunate to be able to leverage technology in really impactful ways for kids. So making sure that like we, you know, all of our kids have a two-to-one Chromebook, which we use. Um, that means they have one in school and they have one that they keep at home and never bring back to school that allows us to be able to do um, assignments in ways that we've never done before, to bring learning into the home in never ways, ways that we've never done before, to communicate with families in ways we haven't ever done before. Um, but it also sort of democratizes the learning because it right. gives students access to curricula and resources that they can use at home in ways that they might not have had access otherwise. And right. I think that that for us is something that we're really excited about um, at the moment. And the last thing that I would say that we are completely excited about is actually going back to the first thing, which is about literacy and leaning in on the science of reading. You know, what we've learned over the past few years, especially in, in the education world, is that when you have too many priorities, you have no priorities. Mm -hmm. And so for us, it's about unlearning what we thought we knew about how young people learn to read and really honing in on our skills as teachers and as leaders to organize ourselves around ensuring that they have those skills to be able to access the life that we promised them. I love that. Now, I would say, Andrew, probably it's a global parental thought, but certainly one that has been first and foremost in the U.S. for a long time, which is we are constantly told that the educational system is failing, that it needs to be improving across the board. And tell me a little bit about where you think we are in this whole process. Yeah, I think that, you know, the reality is that education works for some people. It just doesn't work for everyone. Um, the system we have was built a hundred years ago. And unlike every other industry, we are we yet to sort of completely evolve and change and adapt for individualized need in the way that everything from healthcare to engineering to law has done. But here's what I would say. I would say that the moment in time we're in is one that isn't really built around despair, but it's built around innovation. We have the opportunity to, for the first time really ever, 
step back and say, okay, what about the system that we use to educate young people isn't working and how might we be doing it differently? We're seeing that innovation pop up all over the country. Everything from, from pods to permissionless education to educational technology being leveraged in different ways. But the overwhelming majority of kids who wake up every morning in our country still go to a traditional public school in a traditional yeah. public school model. And that model only works for some kids. Right. And it requires interrogation. And that's going to require continued societal shift, a whole lot of courage and parents to really continue to rise up and say, our kids deserve something better and something different. Yeah, I hear you. It sounds to me like we're going to have beacons of light all over the place, perhaps, but areas that will have to somehow be scaled to make them truly systemic across the board. Now, you mentioned something that really kind of caught my imagination just a second ago, which is that you said that you give each one of the students, I think it was two Chromebooks, one that they use at school or Mm -hmm. their work and one that they bring at home. And it made me think of some of the challenges that I heard about here in New York during the pandemic where everything went virtual, but perhaps people had forgotten that some families out there don't have bandwidth at home. They don't have hardware at home. So tell me a little bit about some of your learnings through the last couple of cycles that we've been going through. Well, I think you hit sort of the nail on the head. So one of the things when the pandemic happened for us was the first priority was making sure that our families and kids had the ability to access whatever offerings that we have for them. So that meant we had to not only account for um, whether or not they had the hardware, whether or not they had internet access. So that meant buying hotspots to ensure that our families could have access to the internet in order to run the programs. It also meant setting up um, training calls and a hotline and web-based support for families. Because you know what? All of our families are in different places when it comes to digital literacy. And we wanna be able to support them so they can support their children. and really trying to take this approach of everyone wants their child to be successful. How can we as the school change what we're doing in order to support our families in supporting their children? And so I've learned sort of three big things. The first is mirror before magnifying glass. Before we take a moment to say, oh, our parents living up to their part, are, are the kids doing what we ask them to do? We have to ask ourselves, are we setting them up for success? We have to hold the mirror up and say, what do we have to unlearn or do differently in order for our system to adapt and evolve? For us, that meant changing programs, that meant changing technology, it meant changing our approach, it meant thinking about parental engagement differently. But what it did was it served kids more effectively, and that ultimately has to be the goal. The second, yeah, go, go ahead. Keep going. No, keep going. I do have a follow-up question on COVID, but we'll get to it in a second. Keep flowing. Yep. The second thing that I think I learned throughout over the past three years is that it is okay to have everything be important, but only few things can be priorities. And as simplistic as that sounds, when we think about what we've experienced, this, this global trauma we've all gone through together, We, as a school community, I tried to do it all and I failed, right? I tried to do social emotional learning support. I tried to do tech support. I tried to change curriculum. I tried to change our leadership structure. I tried to like adapt and solve all of our problems because there were so many of them all at the same time. And that wasn't, that didn't work. It didn't work for my principals. It didn't work for my teachers. It didn't work for my scholars. 
So that meant I had to have the humility to look myself in the mirror and say, these things are all important, but what are the things that are gonna be the biggest priority that are gonna move the needle for kids and make it more sustainable for our adults? And that yeah. meant abandoning systems I believed in, putting stuff on the back burner and saying, how do I keep my people focused on the things that matter the most? Yeah, I really like that. I like that focus on focus. You know, my ex-wife is a school teacher and living the world that she has been in, I completely understand. I think that teachers in general feel such a tremendous pressure to be superheroes and try to do everything and they ultimately can't right? Ultimately, there's just no way. So you really need to be able to focus. But I wanted to kind of ask a follow-up question related to the pandemic, because I'd just be curious what you're seeing now that we're stepping out of it a little bit, whether there's going to be a noticeable impact from that time on education, or whether you feel like we're getting caught up, or whether there was no big challenge in terms of learning. Yep. So I, I, I'll answer that question pretty directly. Um, there is a noticeable difference and that difference will be true forevermore, right? Mm -hmm. We cannot bring 2019 thinking into 2022. The reality for us is that the system has fundamentally changed. Education was always hard, but the last few years exposed um, fundamental gaps in both our teacher pipeline and training and support, mm -hmm. uh, in compensation across the country, mm -hmm. in our ability to invest and innovate. And the, the reality is that the global trauma impacted teachers and students. So when we think about things like emotional regulation, which we see in schools, we think about increased levels of anxiety and depression in students and staff. We think about how that manifests for young people who were of school age at the start of the pandemic, but were not in school buildings until two years later. Right. And so when you think about like what that means for their emotional development and how they learn to socialize, all of these things, present themselves in different ways in schools. And that's at schools all across the country, mine included. Mm -hmm. But I think the biggest thing we're gonna see as a result of the pandemic is that teachers and school administrators are waking up and realizing they do some of the most stressful jobs in America and they are smart and talented and skilled and they can choose to do something else. And a lot of them are choosing. So right. it's making it even harder for the folks who are left behind, who want to stay, who want to help. But what, what we are going to see and what, what I predict to be true is that we're going to see a massive shortfall in those in education for probably the next five to seven years. And during this time, we're going to have to think differently about what it means to educate kids if we're going to do so successfully. Yeah, well, that is certainly worrying sign, but I think you're spot on. And it doesn't seem to be slowing up, really, Andrew. I mean, here we are entering 2022 and what happened in Uvalde with the shooting at the school. We find ourselves once again with a million new challenges, some old challenges that perhaps haven't been addressed. And you know, I'm just curious to hear your thoughts on the landscape for this year. Yeah, I mean, I think... First of all, my heart breaks for the families in the community of Uvalde um, and for so many of my cousin communities across the country and the school yeah. administrators who have to oversee these sort of responses. I personally know what it's like to lead a school after a traumatic shooting event in your community. I mean, you and were down is... in the Houston area, right? I mean, uh, you probably know those schools quite well. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a very difficult thing to bear. 
And that being said, I think that the coming into the 2022-2023 school year, I think it'll be defined by three or four big issues. The first is I think it's going to be defined by staffing shortages. You know, we all hoped that 2021-22 was going to be a return to normalcy. What we didn't accept prior to is that normalcy is gone forever. That that was 2019 thinking. We can't bring that thinking moving forward. The second thing that I think is going to be defined as by are behavioral challenges and concerns as the manifestation, the, 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 the emotional toll, the mental toll of all of this plays out on our kids and on the adults who take care of kids, that mm -hmm. how we manage that is going to define this upcoming school year. I think the third thing that we're going to see more of, unfortunately, and not less, is what I'll call things that get in the way of educating kids. We're going to see more fights over books. We're going to see more fights over content. We're going to see more fights <laughs> over nonsense that has nothing to do with young people who need desperately to have adults who love them, who care about them, trying to ensure that they learn. And then right. the last thing that I think we're going to see um, is a real empowerment by students. And oh, interesting. people ask me like, what, what do I mean by that? Like young people have been the leaders of all of the major movements of change in American history. And what I see coming is a, a point where they can no longer count on the older generations. They don't believe in their parents and they have a distinct worldview informed by the globalized perspective of technology and they're learning faster and more effectively than any time in human history. And so when young people can acquire that knowledge, they're going to get eventually get upset. And then we're going to see uh, student empowerment over the course, I, I predict over the next year to 18 months in ways that we've never seen before. I see it, mm. I, I expect us to see it on high school campuses, on college campuses, even as low as middle school and elementary school campuses as students become more literate to their globalized experience. Yeah, and start to ask why, you know, yes. why and push it. I love what you're saying, Andrew. Andrew, it's been amazing talking to you today. I love what you're working on. Andrew McRae is the Chief Academic Officer for the Breakthrough Public School System in Cleveland, Ohio. They are the highest rated networks of tuition-free public charter schools. We've been talking about a lot of different topics, some of the things that Andrew is putting in place at BPS, but also looking at the broader educational landscape and some of the things that he's highlighted is not just some of the challenges that we see students facing, but teachers, you know, shortage in teachers, talent, making sure that we're handling the mental health issues in a powerful fashion so that we keep this profession meaningful and something that people want to make part of their lives and to build those powerful communities schools that are at the cornerstone of our society. Andrew, thank you so much for being on Uncaged. If someone wanted to reach you and learn more about what you're working on, where should they find you? Well, they can definitely find me um, at amacrae at breakthroughschools.org. You can also look me up on LinkedIn um, as Andrew McRae. And always happy to connect. Excellent. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for being on the program. We look forward to having you back. Awesome. Thank you. Have Cheers. a great one.